Spotify now allows you to rate the podcasts that you love on the app itself. So if you enjoy listening to Stories After Dark, please give it a 5-star rating by going to the show's main page on Spotify and clicking on the rating or star icon below the podcast description. Thank you. She was a 19-year-old computer science student at the University of the Philippines in Los Paños, Laguna, and she left her dorm one Monday night to work on a group project with her classmates. Around four hours later, she was found on the outskirts of the campus with stab wounds all over her body and a bullet in her head. You're listening to Stories After Dark, a Philippine true crime and mystery podcast powered by Anchor and released exclusively on Spotify with new episodes out every week. This is the story of Given Grace Ebanico, who in 2011 was raped and murdered by bank security guard Lester Ivan Rivera and tricycle driver Percival de Guzman. Listener discretion is advised due to the graphic nature of this story. Given Grace Ebanico, or Given, was born on September 23, 1992, the eldest daughter of a born-again Christian pastor named June, who with his wife Marlene raised Given in the municipality of Binangonan, Rizal. Growing up in a deeply religious household, Given became a song leader at the Life in Christ and His Word ministries. She was kind and prayerful and extremely dedicated to her family, even promising her parents that she would pay for her younger brother's school tuition upon landing her first job. For her family, Given Grace truly lived up to her name. Given was also a smart and dedicated student, always willing to recite in class, even though she struggled to speak in straight English. She was also consistently on the honor roll, which was why no one in her family was surprised when she secured a spot as a scholar under Escolar Nigob, the Rizal Provincial Government Scholarship Program. During her senior year at the Rizal National Science High School, Given found out that she had been granted admission at the prestigious University of the Philippines, Los Paños, where she planned to major in computer science. The UPLB campus was about two hours away from Binangonan, and because commuting to and from the university daily would be too exhausting for Given, she would have to stay in a dormitory on weekdays. Given's parents were initially hesitant about letting their only daughter stay far away from them for five days a week, but they eventually gave in, believing that it would be best for Given. Given thrived in college, receiving excellent grades and joining a few student organizations such as the Young Software Engineer Society. Thanks to her bubbly and extroverted personality, she was tapped to spearhead several projects, including a job fair that was attended by hundreds. As much as she enjoyed her extracurricular activities in college though, Given looked forward the most to wearing a sablay, the traditional accessory worn like a sash by University of the Philippines graduating students. Finishing her studies meant that she'd be one step closer to finally fulfilling her promise of paying for her brother's education as well as supporting the rest of her family. But unlike the rest of her college batch, Given would never have the chance to see her selfless dreams come true. 
On the morning of October 11, 2011, Pastor Jun Sibanico walked into his office and decided to check Facebook before starting his daily tasks. The first Facebook profile that he clicked on was Givens, who by then was a 19-year-old third-year college student. On his daughter's profile, he noticed messages from Givens' friends asking where she was. June, however, thought nothing of the messages, believing that her daughter had simply forgotten to text them back. Later that day, June received a call from his niece Jerica, who was also a UPLB student staying with Given at the same dorm. Jerica told June that Given hadn't been at the dorm for two days. By then, news had already spread around UPLB about a girl who had been found in a vacant grassy lot just a few minutes away from the campus, and the same news was already being circulated on the internet. June reached out to his wife Marlene, who regularly spoke with her daughter. Marlene told him that she had last spoken to Given on the afternoon that she had reportedly gone missing. Given had promised to return to their hometown after finishing a presentation for one of her classes. An hour later, Jerica called her uncle again and confirmed that his worst fears had come true. The body previously found near the campus had been identified as that of Given. Hoping that the authorities had been mistaken, June asked Marlene to call their daughter, but when she failed to reach her several times, the couple decided to drive to Los Baños. On their way there, Marlene received a phone call instructing her to go straight to the university campus where local authorities were waiting for them to identify Given's body. Given had been found along the Institute of Plant Breeding Road in Barangay Potot, Tuntungin, with stab wounds all over her body and a bullet in her head. Her hands were cuffed behind her back while her mouth was gagged with a handkerchief and covered with tape. According to the medical examiner, he could not determine the exact cause of Given's death, but the bruises on her body indicated that she had been viciously beaten up before being raped and killed. Given's mother Merlene was hysterical when she saw the body, unable to come to terms with the fact that her daughter was already dead. The Criminal Investigation and Detection Group, or CIDG, of Calamba City, Laguna theorized that Given was the unfortunate victim of a robbery gone wrong, noting that a string of these crimes had recently been reported in the area. They also considered the possibility that a drug addict had raped and killed her. UPLB Chancellor Luis Velasco informed the police that Given had left her dormitory 5th of September mansion at Umali Subdivision at around 8pm on October 10. She went to an apartment nearby to work with her classmates Avery Garcia and Jericho de la Cruz on a presentation that was due the next day. Given then left at approximately 3am and her body was found 4 hours later at 7am by residents of Barangay Puto, Tuntungin. Police arrived at the conclusion that Given had been abducted while walking back to her dormitory. As the investigation continued, university administrators assured students and their parents that the UPLB campus was still safe. According to Vice Chancellor for Community Affairs, Dr. Virginia Cardenas, there were officers patrolling at night and that staff would be working with officials from surrounding barangays to increase the security in their neighborhoods. Cardenas also pointed out that Given was abducted outside school grounds and the rape slay was an isolated incident. Some students, however, criticized the university, saying that lax security measures were what led to Given's death. University Student Council Chair Pura Beatriz Valle called on the administration to increase the number of personnel in the university police force. She also suggested that dormitory managers be allowed to take on more security-centric roles so that they could better protect students. 
Others criticized provincial authorities as they recalled the 1993 rape and murder case of Eileen Sarmenta and Alan Gomez, who were also UPLP students. They also pointed out the area where Given was abducted to be lacking in lampposts, which made it easy for criminals to target their victims. As news spread about Given's rape and death, university students changed their Facebook profile photos to black ribbons with the words Justice Forgiven as a sign of mourning. They also organized an indignation rally calling on law enforcement to bring Given's killer to justice. Facing mounting public pressure, police desperately tried to solve the case, but because there was no evidence left behind at the crime scene, they had very little to go on. A few days later, however, came a breakthrough in the case when a 16-year-old boy from nearby Barangay Batong, Malaki reported to authorities that his life was being threatened by a tricycle driver and former neighbor named Percival de Guzman. The teenager said that the 38-year-old de Guzman and 22-year-old bank security guard Lester Ivan Lopez Rivera were involved in Given's death. The three of them, he continued, were riding in de Guzman's tricycle in the early hours of October 11, looking for passersby they could rob. They were heading towards Diamond Street in Barangay Batong, Malaki when they encountered a woman walking by herself, but Rivera failed to steal her things. Undeterred, they decided to drive around the university campus and that was when they spotted Given, who at the time was walking back to her dorm. Rivera pointed a gun at Given and forced her into the tricycle, ignoring her desperate cries for help. According to the teenage boy, he ran away after witnessing this as he was scared to be involved in whatever de Guzman and Rivera were doing next. The teenage boy's testimony quickly led to the arrest of Percival de Guzman in the same barangay. When de Guzman's pockets were searched by authorities, they recovered an iPhone which they thought was unlikely for a tricycle driver to be able to afford. Upon turning the iPhone on, they saw that the lock screen was Given's photo. Lester Rivera, on the other hand, had fled to Pampanga, a province about two hours away from Los Paños. Three days later, he surrendered himself to the police and admitted to killing Given. He and de Guzman both confessed to the murder, but pointed fingers at each other on who sexually assaulted the girl. Rivera denied raping her, claiming he couldn't have done it as he was under the influence of drugs. According mostly to de Guzman's testimony, de Guzman and Rivera held Given at gunpoint as they drove from the university campus towards a dark and vacant lot. They stuffed her mouth with a handkerchief and wrapped tape around her head to silence her screams. They bound her wrists with handcuffs that Rivera had been carrying with him. Then under a mango tree, they proceeded to rape Given, with Rivera going first and de Guzman following after, all the while with the girl trying to break free. Once the two men were finished, Rivera pointed a gun at Given's head, preparing to shoot her as she begged for her life through her gag and stared down the barrel of the gun. The men punched her twice in the face, knocking her out, and Rivera raped her once again while she was unconscious. The two men were deciding whether to kill Given when she woke up and began crying hysterically. Rivera was convinced that they had to kill her to hide their crime, but de Guzman felt sympathy for the girl. De Guzman told authorities that he had then returned to his tricycle, hoping that Rivera would spare Given's life, but instead he heard two gunshots rapidly fired one after the other. Rivera believed that they could get away with the crime as long as they had no witnesses, which meant that the teenage boy they had been with earlier also had to be silenced. De Guzman and Rivera went through Given's school bag and divided her belongings between themselves. Rivera took her wallet and laptop while her iPhone went to De Guzman. 
The iPhone and the teenage boy's testimony were instrumental in linking de Guzman to the crime. The revolver that was used to shoot Given was traced back to the security agency where Rivera was employed, connecting him to the murder. Rivera had returned the firearm to his agency in order to cover his tracks, but when Rivera's supervisors were questioned, they readily gave him up, saying that they had no idea he had used the gun assigned to him to carry out a crime. In response to the arrests of de Guzman and Rivera, Los Baños Mayor Anthony Henwino promised residents that random drug tests would be conducted on tricycle drivers and police visibility would be increased, particularly in the area where Given's body had been dumped. Investigators believe that Given's rape and murder weren't de Guzman and Rivera's first crimes. When police officers contacted Rivera's relatives, their response was, quote, Saan na naman nagnakaw, end quote, implying that he had already stolen before. De Guzman additionally claimed to have been told by Rivera as they were sexually assaulting Given that Rivera had killed seven people before. Police records later confirmed that Rivera already had a criminal record. De Guzman and Rivera's trials were held at the Calamba City Regional Trial Court Branch 92, but despite eyewitness testimony and evidence tying them to Given's rape and murder, the two were only charged with robbery with homicide, which was a bailable offense. Dissatisfied with the charge, Given's family pushed for it to be upgraded to rape with robbery and homicide, a capital offense that carried a heavier sentence. The Laguna Provincial Prosecutor conducted a reinvestigation of the case and canceled the scheduled arraignment of the suspects after both of them failed to show up in court. The Sebanico family's team of lawyers tried to contest this ruling, but their efforts were in vain. To support the family's wishes, a private counsel from the Institute for the Administration of Justice of the University of the Philippines Law Center asked the court to defer the resolution until after manifestations had been filed to upgrade the charge to rape with robbery and homicide. The court's response to this, however, wasn't disclosed to the public. In 2014, Rivera was convicted of theft which his former security agency had filed against him for stealing the company-issued gun that he had used to kill Given. In February 2016, almost five years after Given's death, Rivera fully admitted to raping and killing Given and he entered a guilty plea. Two months later, on April 19, he was found guilty of three counts of rape with homicide and theft, and he was sentenced to three life imprisonment terms by Judge Alberto Serrano of the Calamba City Regional Trial Court. Four months later, on August 31, de Guzman was convicted as well and was also sentenced to three life imprisonment terms. For the charge of qualified theft, de Guzman was additionally given another 12 to 17 years in prison. Given was buried at Santo Rosario Memorial Park in her hometown of Binangonan Rizal on October 18, 2011, seven days after her murder. Her funeral was attended by several officials from the Rizal provincial government including George E.R. Ejercito who was then the governor of Laguna. Hundreds of Given's high school and college classmates came, most of them wearing purple as it was Given's favorite color. In 2013, June and Marlene Sebanico decided to honor their daughter by establishing the Given Grace Academic Excellence Foundation with the aim of providing scholarships to impoverished students struggling to get through college. Given Grace Sebanico's life might have been taken too early, but her selfless dream of supporting others continues to live on through her family's foundation.
Thank you for listening to Stories After Dark, a Spotify exclusive powered by Anchor. This story was suggested by Bianca Imari Tadiosa through the Facebook group and Paul Jerome Carrion through Instagram, co-written by Kayla DeLeon, and was narrated and produced by me, Derek. Music is by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. Stay tuned next week for a new episode, and to make sure you're updated about the show, please follow Stories After Dark on your Spotify app as well as on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you'd like to see the references used for this episode, suggest cases, send personal stories, or further support the show, you can go to storiesafterdark.ph for more information. All of the links are in the episode description.